So uh, bringing to mind and heart again the four Brahma Viharas or the four divine abidings. So the Buddha is uh, pointing us to the, uh, the place of freedom is here in our own hearts, in our own minds. And of course we want to do what we can to make the world a better place. There's that, that's part of it too. But there's also the acknowledgement that how much of that we can do is limited. So how we think, how we speak, how we act, uh, how we make our livelihood, what we put our energy into, this, this matters. This is an essential aspect of the path. <clears throat> and, you know, we can't make other people behave the way we want to. So the world, uh, you know, it's a challenging environment to live in. Living with just one person is challenging enough, with oneself can be challenging enough. Living with two people, more complexity, three, four, five, you know, seven billion, it gets complicated. So uh, much as we may wish to, we're not going to get the outside world, the world around us to behave the way we want for very long, unless we are a despotic dictator, in which case we can do it for a bit, and then there'll be a rebellion at some point. So that's just like that. And so we're impacted, you know. We get, we, uh, we get hopes and disappointments and we're sensitive and other people are not sensitive. <clears throat> or we're not very sensitive and we're around people who are very sensitive. And You know, it's, it's just like that. So inevitably we get knocked around and our hopes get lifted and and then you know they drop and it's just like that that's just life so the brahma viharas are a, are a, a beautiful and skillful way of relating to life and they're to be cultivated in the meditation practice and also in in relationship in daily life in relationship to each other in relationship to to all things really <clears throat> and the buddha encourages us to practice them you know in formal meditation that's when we do those radiant practices that we've that Aya santusika guided us in and uh, there'll be more later today Aya santusika is going to guide us again this afternoon in the the radiant practices <clears throat> And he also encourages us to practice these in all situations, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. So they're not just for the cushion, and they're, not, uh, and they're also not just for when it, they naturally arise. So this does happen, you know, we can, we can, be, we can feel like, well, I, you know, something happens and I just naturally feel metta. And then there is that good energy there, and that's... Beautiful, and, and it does. It feels phony to sit in the cushion and try and make it happen, or you know, I hear some difficult situation, and compassion naturally arises, and that's a beautiful thing. So this is true. It is, and it's and it's uh, perfect in itself. And these qualities are to be cultivated. So it's not that we just, you know, the Buddha doesn't say just 
wait until conditions arise that bring up compassion or bring up uh, mudita or metta or upeka, <clears throat> but cultivate them in the heart so that our heart becomes a field of these qualities and that these qualities are, are accessible to us and they more they more they, they become not just a a natural response but a dwelling a dwelling place they're called abidings abodes so they become a dwelling place for our consciousness so we've spoken a bit about uh, metta and hopefully people are practicing metta and about karuna compassion um, and I touched this morning on mudita appreciative joy or empathic joy so mudita being this quality of in a way you could call it rejoicing rejoicing in the goodness in the beauty in the well-being of what is what we consider outside of ourselves so mudita is this, this beautiful, generous quality that uh, keeps us connected and reminds us of our interconnectedness, that we are all, you know, that we all wish to be happy, to be comfortable enough, you know, to have well-being. So if someone else has that, instead of feeling resentful, we feel happy for them because we know how it feels. Yeah, I want that too. Good, good on you. I'm glad you have that. And then there's upeka, which has this English translation, equanimity. So there have been a few questions like, what is equanimity? Please describe equanimity. What's your experience of equanimity? Yeah, it's a funny word. Uh, to be honest, I think the word equanimity probably is used mostly in Buddhist circles. I'm not sure if I was not a Buddhist that I'd even hear the word. It's not commonly used, as so far as I can tell. <clears throat> So I want to uh, just go back to the, the Pali word upeka. Um, so one of the one of the ways that one can uh, one of the ways one of the ways one can translate upeka is to to have the big view or to have a bird's eye view. So you're not in the midst of everything, feeling everything, caught up in everything. But you're, you've got this perspective, this kind of greater perspective. And, um, <clears throat> you know, this greater perspective, there are, there are different ways that we can access it. So obviously there's, you know, one of the ways is through meditation practice, but I want to go to the, the sort of more daily life practical ways first. So one of the ways, one, one way that I discovered before I knew about you know meditation practice knew how to meditate was being very very caught up in a in a story of a poor me story uh, it's too hard it's all terrible story uh, at, at, <clears throat> at night i was at night and walking back from a long day's work <clears throat> and uh, up a steep hill mile and a half to get to where i lived <clears throat> And I had this this story going on of how difficult everything was and how unfair it all was and poor me and this was going on. And then and then I looked up at the sky, the night sky is out in the countryside, and suddenly, wow, there was this vast, limitless space 
with stars, which are, which are suns burning up there. And it was just suddenly like, hang on a minute. Me, my story, my feelings, and then in this context. So it kind of broke the mind open. And, um, and then just thinking of like, okay, so, so this universe, this solar system, this planet, this little country Wales, this person in this tiny little bit of this country, having all these feelings. Like. <laughs> that was my response, yeah, exactly like that. And um, so this is, this is Upeka. It's like you get a different perspective. You get this bigger perspective and then, okay, yeah, there are these feelings going on, you know, and so what, you know? They arise and they pass away. So that's Upeka. Not, it's not actually Upeka isn't so what. That's not quite right. It's not indifferent. It's not, it doesn't care, it's not careless. But it's like, mm-hmm. And there's this bigger picture. So that's one way of just getting to sort of like the cosmic approach, which I like. And another way is to think in terms of, uh, of time. You know, like I sent Chita last night talking about how long the human race has been on the planet in, regard, in relation to other species. And, uh, you know, relatively speaking, we're, we're 7.4 years old. It's kind of speech. <laughs> um, getting into trouble, getting up to mischief. Um, so that's another way of, of just, you know, recognizing <coughs> ancestry and, you know, ancient lineage going back, you know, to the, back, back to Africa, go, go all the way back to the, the ancient civilizations of Africa, you know, long, 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 long ago, where humanity began. And, you know, even <clears throat> like, and that's just the human race, you know, and then having a sense of the, the eons that, have, that we know of, that we can find you know, geologically. And then the Buddha talks about, he kind of goes further than that, he talks about world expansions and world contractions. So that might be... Uh, I mean, that might be, I, I always thought of that as like worlds arising and, and passing away, but it could also be, you know, as in the lifetime of this world, the planet Earth, the, the different eras of, of uh, you know, growth and fertility and then, then a massive loss and then growth again and evolution and then loss again. So that's, it has that pattern, that's the pattern of this process of life. So Upeka takes that in, it takes in that big picture. And it can also just be in you know, a human life. Like, you know, we're, we're conceived, and then there's a conception, and there's the beginning of life, uh, or the beginning of form coming into being in the mother's womb. And then we're born, and then we go through this process of change, growing, and learning, and developing and and then you know we reach a certain maybe a certain peak and then there's then there's uh, still growing and learning and developing and then but there's also this um, deteriorating and aging and certain loss certain certain aspects of loss happen 
And then eventually there's the aging and death. And that's the most perfect and natural thing. This is how it is meant to be. Without that, we would be in really big trouble. You know, imagine how crowded the planet would be without death. And, and what would feed the trees, you know, and the, and the carnivores if there were no death. It's, uh, death is part of this cycle of life. Oh, and the, not just the carnivores, actually, everything. Death is, is food. You know, we die, there's death, which becomes food for life, which becomes, yeah, it's, it's, it dies, it's a cycle. It's, it's a, a perfect, imperfect cycle. So Upeka is taking all of that in. It's knowing that. It's, it's uh, recognizing that. And in seeing that bigger picture and not just being caught on the, in the immediate um, reaction, there's a, there's a peacefulness, there's, a, there's more space, there's more acceptance, there's a resting, there's, a, there's a, an acknowledgement and a, a like, yeah, I get it, okay. <clears throat> so this doesn't, so this isn't indifference, and this is really important. That's why I had to correct that, so what? It's not so what? It's not who cares, doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm, it's like this. This is the truth of things. And, you know, when we know that something's going to end, like if when you know that you're, somebody dear to you is dying, you don't say, oh, well, you're going to die. You know, well, it's a waste of time. You know? <laughs> Well, hopefully you don't do that. <laughs> Although maybe some people do actually, but hopefully you don't do that. Then it's like becomes more precious. Every moment becomes precious, even if it's difficult. Even if the, you know, even if it's really hard work, really difficult, really stressful. There's this sense of but we've got this moment together, so it's 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 precious. So that's also present with Upeka. It's not uh, it's not a it's not a discarding or a, an indifference or a carelessness. It's, it's, it, it has a quality of absolute presence and this bigger picture. So we use these uh, rather unsatisfactory and not quite adequate words, uh, equanimity and uh, equipoise. These two words get used for upeka's translations. They don't quite do it. For me, equanimity is... When I think of equanimity, I think of like everything's just sort of flat. There's no ups and downs. It's all just homogenized. And that's sort of what that word does for me. And that isn't really what upeka is. But it's, it's having a, a, enough of a view. Thank you. Having enough of a view that you're not pushed around by every change. So it's like, for me, like the pelicans are the most beautiful example of upeka. They, to me, they kind of, they, they lit, I don't know if they really do, but they look like, they're just like living upeka. You know, they're just cool. And they've, they've been around for about 50 million years. Amazing. 50 million years. And they, they're just so like, they just kind of got it down. You know, all the other birds are flapping away and running up and down in the beach. And, and then the pelicans, they're just... They're just <laughs> gliding along, 
perfectly form, in perfect formation, and they seem to be so effortless. And then, you know, they go right down to the waves, and then suddenly they, they, you can't see them because they're just behind the waves. They're like right down there, just skimming along, totally cool. And then sometimes they dive in for fish and all that. And so um, they've been doing their pelican thing for fifty million years. They're not. They're not. Develop, they're not changing it because it's good. It's working. <laughs> they got it down. So, um, so Upeka is kind of like that. So it's like when they're when they're just gliding along above the, you know, like you see them above the ocean. They're not. Uh, they're not moved around by the by the waves of the ocean. They're not particularly. Uh, troubled by the, the currents either. They're able to use those currents. They're big enough that they're not sort of knocked around by the currents, the air currents, I mean. Uh, so that's, that's, Upeka is like that. It's like, it's not that we try to make the ocean flat and smooth, but we're looking at it from a perspective. So we're not, we're not concerned that, oh gosh, I shouldn't have that feeling and that's going on and we're not getting all tangled up in it, but we're we're just like, oh yeah, that's how it goes, isn't it? Those, oh yeah, there's that feeling again. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know that one. And it's there, and it's because of that, and then it'll it feels like this, and then it's going to pass. So it's it's getting that perspective on life and on our direct experience, and that gives us the opportunity to respond rather than try and control or react or suppress. And then in the, in the meditation practice, <clears throat> so, you know, if you look at the Brahma Viharas, there's, there's metta, which is like, it's kind of like the sun, you know, it's like radiant and joyful and generous and warm. And, mud, and uh, karuna, which is more seeing the, the, um, the sorrow of, of what we do with this opportunity, the difficulties. And then there's uh, Mudita, which is, again, like sunny and uplifting and joyful. And then there's Upeka, which is just kind of chill. So this, this pattern comes up again and again in the Buddha's teachings of like arousing the, the like good energy, arousing joy and well-being and good energy, and then calming that. And then again, arousing... The, the uplifting and the beautiful, and then calming that. So, in, so not to just go straight to trying to get everything calm and flat and smooth and deep and peaceful. There's also energizing and uplifting qualities that are important. <clears throat> so I hope that this morning you did uh, explore, you have been exploring mudita, because mudita is one of those qualities that's uplifting and beautiful and nourishing and joyful. So, uh, so let's uh, find a posture for meditation.
And being aware of the weight of your body as you're sitting here or laying here. Allowing yourself to just settle here. Being aware of your body, how it feels. Just general, a general sense. How how you know that there is a body here, how it feels. Various feelings in the body that are always changing, even chronic, even chronic pain is always changing. Actually, when you really closely look, so these feelings and moods and the experience of the body is changing all the time. We walk, and then the experience is different. We're a little bit more energized, or then we eat something, and then that changes our experience too. We rest, and then it changes again. So, this is going on all the time, constantly. The, the body and mind are changing all the time. <coughs> so, <coughs> Being aware of this body breathing. I'd like to guide you in a meditation through through a lifetime, just gently touching on the lifetime. So we're going to begin, even though life begins a little earlier than this, we're going to begin, just begin with yourself as a little baby. Having the sense of a little baby you came out of your mother's womb in whatever way. And you're there, soft and vulnerable and open. you're fed and you're played with and so on, you start to grow and start to develop skills like being able to focus your eyes and recognize things, being able to make sounds, 
consciously. Be able to use your body in ways that you hadn't yet been able to use it. Crawling and clambering. Gradually you're getting stronger, more agile, more able to do things and you're learning new new skills every day, a little something new. And in order to learn something new, you have to let go of who you were. In order to be a toddler, you have to let go of being a baby. And you keep growing and learning and you go to go to school or you get schooled. Start learning, getting educated. You have tastes, what you like, what you don't like, what you like to wear, what you like to eat. Even if you don't always get what you want. You're growing up through childhood. And you might have favorite things, a favorite item of clothing, and then you grow out of it, you have to let it go. Favorite toy, and then maybe it breaks, and you have to let it go. You keep growing and learning, developing, changing. Go through all kinds of different experiences, painful experiences, Challenging experiences, exciting experiences. And now, just continue growing through this process of life. You go through childhood into adolescence, all of that. Body changing. Moods changing, the sense of who you are may be changing. All of the complexities and the new doors that come with adolescence. And you keep growing. Young adult. I just want to say that we're going to keep going all the way through life. So you don't worry if you're, you know, if you're like 21 and I'm going to go and carry on past that. You just keep going past that. You grow into your young adult life. And then you have to let go of who you were as a child. Just keep growing maybe no longer really identify with who you were as an adolescent. Your tastes change. What's meaningful to you maybe changes. You go through your young adult life, all your accomplishments and losses and aspirations, and you keep growing, you keep growing inside, 
keep changing. Get into, start leaning into middle age. Bodies different, the muscle tone is different to how it was in your 20s. You may have gone through illnesses. You may be in an illness. You may be strong, you may be at your peak. Into your 40s, into your 50s. You've accumulated a lot of understanding of life, a lot of experience. There's been loss and growth and change. And you keep going into your 60s and feel the body's not as resilient as it used to be. But still, there's a great accumulation, a great wealth of life experience and wisdom. And going on into your 70s, just observing the changes in your body. The hair, no longer the color it was when you were young. The skin losing its elasticity, the muscle tone, depending on how you live, either uh, softer or more wiry than it used to be. Going on into your 80s. Beginning to get more limited in what you're able to do. Maybe the mind isn't as bright as it was. But you have this wealth of experience and understanding through your life. You have, a, you have a richness. Go through your 80s until you reach your 90th birthday. Get to your 90th birthday. Maybe there's family around you and you probably lost some very dear people, family members, friends. People have already passed on. Our body's old. And keep going a little bit into your 90s. At some point, the body has reached its time to end. Good long life.
And maybe it comes easily or maybe it comes with a struggle. But the ending of life becomes clear, becomes it's it's imminent, it's close. And the body starts to move towards its ending. It may be a, there may be a breathing difficulty or a heart difficulty. And it's natural, and you know that it's natural. It's the way of things. The body has to end somehow. Over last days of your life. Having to let go of everything, all your dear ones, and the most precious one, yourself. There's a need to let go of this body, this body that has been such a good friend all these years, this body that has played and worked and perhaps given birth, perhaps has made you successful in in your work or in your career, body that's been a teacher. You got sick and then got well again. It has sustained you, digested countless meals. And purified its system countless times. Eventually this body has to go back to nature. We've borrowed it for this time. We've borrowed these elements for this time. And eventually we have to let them go. So we come to that last breath. And the last day of our life. We let go into not knowing. And life continues to process that body to break down the body, to bring it back to the earth. It becomes nourishment for the earth, for the plants, perhaps even for other creatures. It's no longer me and mine. 
You let it all go. And this precious life of ours has been a millisecond in the history of this planet Earth. What we've done with our life matters. How we guide our our life matters. How we, what we bring to each moment matters. And we have to let go. And eventually we become part of the sediment of rock. And perhaps way, way, way in the future, this planet breaks up and we reconstellate, we become part of a, a nebula. forming in the universe. So what is there to hold on to? Learning to let go you learn this, this place of, <clears throat> it is a place of equipoise, of, of balance. It's this paradox, really, of fully showing up, being fully present, fully here, clear in our intention, and letting go. We're arising and passing in every moment. Resting into Letting go.
and allow the mind to rest in the silence. Not, uh, not letting it grasp, sometimes it's trying to grasp onto this and that. Just inviting a letting go into the silence, into stillness.
All that arises passes away. It is not who and what we are. So we have a, a few announcements for you. Um, just the first one is uh, there has been made a mistake, you know, at the lunch time for today. It's just how it always was. It's at eleven forty-five. So previously um, schedule said twelve thirty for today, but we have you know has been exchanged. So eleven forty-five, as you know it. And then also want to make you aware there is a, a day long going on in the community hall down the hill. So just being aware that there's <coughs> quite a few people there. So you might just, uh, between 10 and 4, so please stay up the hill on, on this side of the, of the gate down there, if possible. And then we have again uh, our group practice discussions, and uh, with me, they're going to be Rebecca P., Robin Van D., Susan G., Alexis M., Hannah P., Andrea C., Laurel M., Celeste Y., and Daphne C., so in interview room number one, and with you, Anne and Abodi. So with me down in the lower walking hall, Daniel D, Adrienne P, Amanda R, Ian C, uh, Michelle C, Nicole K, Andreas V, and Julie S. I just want to ask, is Julie S in the room? Does anyone know Julie S? <laughs> is Julie S here, actually? <laughs> Not sure if Julie S is actually here. Okay. Thank you. Hi. So come to my group. Is there anyone else who hasn't been in a group? There's been a bit of a muddle, yeah, with the, with the groups. So do you want to come into my group downstairs? Yes. So you can both, please both come downstairs, yeah. Have you been in a group already? Yeah. Yes, you were in my group earlier. Great. Yeah. Okay, so wonderful. Okay. So then we see you in a moment. So, and also just to say that, you know, that meditation may have been, um, may leave you a little groundless or, so, you know, here we are right now.
that come into your body, you know, and in the walking meditation, feel the connection of your feet with the ground and feel your, your, um, you know, you're, we're part of this. We're part, as I said, you're saying, we're part of this earth, you know, we're, we're part of this. <coughs> the earth is our grounding quality. So, uh, presence, you know, bringing, bringing presence to whatever is happening here and now. And then learning to cultivate this quality of receiving, appreciating and letting go. As receiving, putting something good into the moment and letting go. Now, sometimes we receive and then we're like battling and trying to get rid of everything or we're sort of resentful and jealous. Or, so what, how we're meeting the moment is really, really important. And it's a training. So learning to receive appreciate and then uh, let go you can let go with love let go with equanimity so just to use that as a practice but please as you move now from from the sitting into into movement let your body be an anchor And um, Emily is offering guided movement in the upper walking hall. So, is this the last one? Yeah. So this is the last last guided movement with Emily. So uh, enjoy. Make good use of it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.